God's personal name in the Hebrew Bible is spelled as a tetragrammaton. Today, we're going to discuss what is God's personal name and survey its use in the book of Genesis and in the beginning of Exodus. So let's find out what it reveals about God on All Things Apostolic. Tetragrammaton is a Greek word that means consisting of four letters. Tetra means four and grammaton means letters. The term is applied to the four-letter Hebrew transliteration of God's name, meaning it's a conversion of the four Hebrew letters of God's name to four corresponding English letters. The letters written and read from right to left in Hebrew are Yod, He, Vav, He. In English, reading from left to right, the letters are Y-H-W-H. Now, sometimes you might see it in the older style of Y-H-V-H, and there is some debate about the third letter because modern Hebrew recognizes it as a Vav with a V sound. But many scholars believe that in the time of ancient Israel, for example, in the time of Moses or David, that it would have been pronounced more as a W sound. So, for example, in modern Hebrew, the name of David, uh, which has a V sound, you'd pronounce it as David. But in ancient Hebrew, it probably sounded more like Dawid. <laughs> and some seminaries teach this pronunciation. I personally learned the modern Hebrew pronunciation, so I'm used to saying Vav with a V sound. And there are other differences between the pronunciation of modern Hebrew and ancient Hebrew, but that is beyond the scope of our discussion today. I'm going to take just a couple of minutes to talk about the controversy of pronunciation because it's important to know about it, but it's not the focus of today's episode. In ancient Hebrew, words were only written with consonants and not with vowels. Let's look at an example in English so you can see what that would look like. Here is the sentence, the cat chased the mouse. Below it is the same sentence, but without the vowels. Now, it could seem a little tricky to know what words are written because we're used to relying on the vowels, but ancient Israelites were used to not having the vowels. And in fact, if you go to Israel today, there are road signs written in Hebrew and they don't have vowels. And most of the newspapers are not written with vowels. So it is possible for people to recognize words without vowels. And of course, context can help a reader to know what the correct words are. The Masoretes were a group of scribes who worked to preserve the biblical text around AD 500 to 900 by meticulously copying the text and then adding vowels so that the pronunciation would be preserved. Here's an example. This is Genesis 1, chapter 1, verse 1. The Hebrew Bible was originally written like the top example, all consonants and no vowels. The bottom example has vowels. The Masoretes did not want to change the text itself, so they added vowels as points, which are combinations of dots and dashes both above and below the consonants. 
This system of vowel pointing allowed them to preserve the original text as well as the pronunciation. However, there was an ancient Hebrew tradition that God's name was too sacred to write or pronounce. So when the Masoretes added vowels to the personal name of God, they used the vowels from the word Adonai, which means Lord or Master. And they inserted those vowels between the consonants of the tetragrammaton. Then, when a person was reading the text, they would see the vowels for the word Adonai, and they would be reminded to speak or say the word Adonai when they came to the tetragrammaton, instead of pronouncing the actual name of God. I was taught to say Adonai when I began to learn Hebrew and to read from the Hebrew Bible. In some cases, the vowel pointing is for Hashem, which means the name. So it's customary to say Adonai or Hashem. And this tradition dates back to at least the Hellenistic period, um, probably around 330 BC, even in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible. The translators used the Greek word kurios, which means Lord, in place of the divine name, which is further evidence that using the word Adonai or Lord was traditional as a substitution instead of speaking the personal name of God aloud. So how do we know the difference between the tetragrammaton and the actual word Adonai in the Bible, since both words are translated as Lord? Well, thankfully, most English versions of the Bible, including the King James Version, translate the Tetragrammaton as Lord in all capital letters. So if you see the word Lord in caps in your Bible, it's referring to the personal name for God. If you see the word Lord with a capital L and the other letters are lowercase, then it's referring to the Hebrew word Adonai. Now, before we move on, I want to emphasize that the Tetragrammaton is God's personal name. Other words such as El Shaddai, which is God Almighty, or El Elyon, the Most High God, are titles. And it's okay to address God by his titles, but his personal name is Yahweh or Jehovah. And we don't know for sure which pronunciation is correct. And we could have a whole episode arguing for each one of those. There are people who believe for both. And, but ultimately, we don't know which is the correct one. So I'm not going to jump into that fray in this particular, uh, this particular episode. Other people have already done a thorough analysis on that topic. So you'll probably hear me refer to both names today. Um, but the divine name can also be shortened to Yah, and it was used in some personal names. So let's just look at a few examples. Remember that for the Hebrew, we're going to read from right to left. So Jonathan is Yahonatan. The initial Yod and He at the beginning of the word stand for Yahweh or Jehovah. And then the ending of the name, Natan, is the verb to give. So his name means Yahweh has given or Jehovah has given. Another example is Jehoshaphat, pronounced in Hebrew as Yehoshaphat. Again, we see the Yod and the He at the beginning of the word, which is a shortened form of God's name. And then the ending of the name is Shaphat, 
which means to judge. So his name means Yahweh has judged or Jehovah has judged. You may also recognize the shortened form of the divine name in a word that we commonly say at church. Hallelujah is made up of the root halal, which means to praise, and yah, which is the shortened form of God's personal name. Hallelujah is an imperative form, which means it's like a command. So when you say hallelujah, you're literally saying to praise God, but you're referring to his personal name in a shortened form. So what does his name mean? Well, the four letters of the Tetragrammaton are from the root meaning to be. And some have understood the original meaning to be something like he who is or he who brings being into being. It could be translated, I am who I am, or I will be what I will be, or perhaps even I am the one who is. Regardless of the specific translation, the name demonstrates that God is fully self-sufficient and his existence does not depend on anyone or anything. Everyone else depends on him for existence. Now, a very interesting question is when did God reveal his personal name and how? So I spent some time and scanned Genesis to look for scriptures that include the Tetragrammaton. And I'd like for us to look at some key examples and go ahead and follow along with me in your Bible if you have it available. From Genesis 1-1 to Genesis 2-3, only the word Elohim is used, Elohim meaning God. So these scriptures cover God's work of creation. Then there is a shift, and the Tetragrammaton is paired with Elohim 12 times, all the way up to chapter 3, verse 1. So our first introduction to the personal name paired with Elohim, which means God, is in reference to the Garden of Eden and creating Adam and Eve. Creation was more general, but this is more personal. So we see this transition from Elohim to using the Tetragrammaton. Now, when the serpent is introduced in chapter three, verse one, the Bible says that he was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. Lord God is a combination of the Tetragrammaton and Elohim together. But when the serpent talks to Eve, he only says Elohim. He doesn't use God's personal name. Eve responds by clarifying the instructions that were given, and she calls him Elohim. She doesn't use the personal name either. The serpent responds to Eve again using Elohim. So the serpent never uses the personal name of God. And then in verse 8, the Bible talks about the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden. And we have this shift back to God's personal name being paired with Elohim. And throughout the interrogation and the judgment, this combination is used seven times. And that concludes chapter three. So we have this very interesting pattern of creation being Elohim, then the more personal aspect of creation with Adam and Eve being the personal name combined with Elohim. And then the discussion between the serpent and Eve only use Elohim. But when God returns to the scene after the fall, he is again referred to as Lord God, his personal name paired with Elohim. 
Now, this may seem like random jumping from names and terms, but it's not. And so I just want to throw in a little something on the side here. Some of you may have heard of the documentary hypothesis. It's a theory that was proposed by some Bible scholars who believed, or one particular one and others adopted it, who believed that the first five books of the Bible, what we call the Torah or the Pentateuch, were pieced together from writings by different people in different times. This hypothesis became extremely popular for a time, and at its core, it was an attempt to prove that Moses did not write the Pentateuch. And these changing uses of the name and the titles of God, as we're reading through the narrative, was supposedly evidence that there were different writers. Now, thankfully, in recent years, biblical scholarship has basically debunked the theory and it should certainly raise a red flag about getting caught up in some new fad of biblical interpretation that discredits what the Bible clearly states. Rather than viewing the different uses of God's name and titles as evidence of different writers, when we know that Moses was the writer, we can gain insight by trusting that he had a reason for how he wrote it. So it's worth taking the time to examine it carefully. So let's keep going. Now, in Genesis chapter 4, there is a shift. Chapter 4 opens by saying, And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived, and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Eve used God's personal name. This is the first time someone has spoken God's personal name. When Eve spoke to the serpent about God's rules, she called him Elohim.